0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Save Your Spoon podcast. I am your host, Natalie, and I'm glad to have you guys back here in Chicago. It is chilly. I think I opened up the car door and was like, "I swear to God, my family had to pick Chicago, Chicago, Illinois." You guys couldn't settle, you know, in South Carolina or Texas, somewhere warm. And it's funny because my roommate, she's looking to venture out yonder. And I'm like, man, I know deep down I'll probably never leave the city of Chicago. And because of the week, I feel like I've definitely been in hibernation mode. And so I wanted to introduce my segments. I have definitely taken a break of my segments. And that's because I've been filming some of these to put on YouTube. And what I've come to realize is that I have more fun recording a separate video and then having my podcast here. I don't know. We're going to try to just see where this takes us. But yeah, the fun segments I would love to keep. I'm going to introduce our new segment. It is Affirmation of the Week. This week I'm telling myself it's okay to give my body a break. I need to give my body a break to get the returns that I desire, to get everything I want out of this life. So I'm going to tell myself I'm great at taking care of myself. I honor what my body needs. If that means recording my podcast episode in my bed and sweats and having a couple cough drops here and there, so be it. To piggyback off this, just an update with how my life has been going. I, If you know me, you know I've experienced head and neck trauma. I have back pain, back problems that go back to like before 2020. My head and neck injury was twenty twelve, so this is not new. But I did decide to give chiropractors another shot. When I was at my gym, they they had a guy literally, I wish you guys can see me. When I'm in the gym, I don't talk to anyone. I have my headphones in, like I'm walking like high and proud, like in my little sports bra and my leggings, listening to my I don't know, Victoria's Secret runway music. maybe an audiobook here and there and so there's this guy I was moving to a bike and I walked past this guy with the chiropractor and blah 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 and he was like how's your back and I said good how are you like thinking that he asked how I was (laughs) like I'm good and then I did a double take literally got off the bike and was like wait a minute this is God's sign and so I signed up for it it was like a really fast return but I got really good vibes and Lo and behold, like, I do have scoliosis. It's not as severe as probably all my initial TikToks made it sound. And, but my curvature of my back. So, literally how my neck hangs forward. I don't have the C curve that normal people do. It's literally reversed. Um, And then I have an anterior pelvic tilt. My thoracic spine is way leaning back. I think again, going back to my affirmation, like I can take care of myself, and this is gonna help me get the rewards I need, the results I want to see. And without like honoring my body and being like, you know what, like yeah, this is pricey to go see a chiropractor, and yeah, it's gonna take time out of my day, but to honor what my body needs. Plus, I'm pretty sure this is the reason why I have migraines as frequently as I do, um, because literally C one is jabbing into the skull of my brain. Not actually, but I'm gonna. That's a pretty picture to paint. Um, Besides the point, yeah. So taking care of ourselves, 2024, and so for my segment, I'm so fun at parties. This was a conversation between my roommate Liz and I. We were discussing just how I had a rank, one through seven, one being the most important, seven being the least, like family, finances, social, work physical health, like all of that mental health. And I could probably find the sheet. But when I was filling out, I was like, yeah, like I looked at it and I was like, is this what a 20 something year old should be doing? And she's like, it's crazy that you put this so high because I would put this here. And then she would put something I put low higher. And, you know, sometimes you get into this idea that you have to prioritize one aspect of your life higher because someone else's. And this gets into the whole conversation of the grass is always greener because you could think someone's has it all where they feel like, oh, I don't really care about this. And that's why my life looks so happy because I don't put time into this. And I don't want to like influence where you should be feeling or where you should be ranking. Otherwise, I would be able to paint better pictures for you. But just for a second, think about your core values, Think about what resonates with you. Do you really want to put more of your effort into work? Sometimes that means you might not be able to be as social and vice versa. And at the end of the day, looking over and peeking at someone else's fence, how green their grass is, that's not going to serve you. It's kind of like the idea of staying in your own lane. And then on the flip side, sometimes it is good to remember that people prioritize differently. People have different core values than you are and this helps you to see things as not being a personal jab or not being a weakness of someone else rather this is they're in their own lane (laughs) and then this can let you be like okay if they say something that you might take personally or that you guys are indifferent in you can just remind yourself that everyone has a different perspective and their perspectives are shaped based on their personal experiences and that could be a whole other podcasts in itself. I honestly was going to, I felt so invigorated earlier. We had a staff improvement day, and man, did I feel improved after the staff meeting. I was like, man. I emailed, we have another SLP in the district, and she's really passionate about trauma-informed care, and she said something very insightful regarding what I just mentioned. Like, it's so You have to like consider how people might respond and remember that not everyone's going to agree with you because we're all shaped from different perspectives. And so I emailed her and was like, hi, what kind of courses did you take? And I've come to find out she's literally doing her dissertation. I was like, oh man, we are not on the same level right now. But I was like just so inspired by her words of wisdom and I was literally going to make a podcast on just the benefits of looking and assessing your core values just to piggyback a little activity that you could do take it leave it skip it if you look up core values list you could find a list of like 230 words or so we did this um Elena Aguilera workbook today and so if you find a list of core words pick 10 then scratch off five of those and then pick three out of those five and keep those. And those show your core values. And it's kind of like warming to really see just the different types of words you can interchange or what three you're going to prioritize. Are they all in the same fields? Do you have one more like how you communicate with your inner world versus your outer world and whatnot? So I highly recommend doing that. I think doing it today, I was like, man, I'm so excited to go to work. I'm so excited to be the person and resonate with these core values. Highly recommend. All right, so let's get into our main topic. We are going to talk about fear, responses, and the brain. Now, when I say fear, we're also looking at worries, things that bring up anxieties, PTSD. When we are looking at emotion to begin with, we're considering both the valence, is it a positive emotion, is it negative and I know in other podcasts, I've talked about how emotions are neutral, but in the way that your body resonates with that feeling, does it bring up a positive emotion experience or a negative? Just for this example, please. All right. And then, for we're not going to get too spiritual right now. This is more neuroscience, if anything. And then we have the intensity. So, is this kind of like, ooh, that was slight discomfort? Or are you hypervigilant, full flush, fight or flight mode? What kind of strength is this emotion? How is it affecting your body? Visceral reactions. When we're looking at fear, it is on that continuum. And sometimes we might be more sensitized. Sometimes we might be more resilient and not have as intense of a reaction or not get into a negative emotion as someone else would. Now, fear is not the prettiest of emotional responses. Think of what you look like when you experience fear. Take a second, and what kind of visceral reactions? So, do you get sweaty? Does your heart stop? Like, start pounding? Do you look around the room? Do you freeze? Do you want to run? Our reaction to fear has helped us throughout evolution. Think of how we had to run when we sensed a tiger in, like, our peripheral vision, or if we heard like a rustle in the leaves and we didn't know what it was. This is where the term fight or flight comes from. Are we about to fight this tiger? Hell no. Are we going to run from it? Probably. (laughs) This includes those changes of heart rate, respiration, breathing. It contracts the digestive tract. This makes it so we don't process the food. I'm not going to finish that. And then this could lead to like tense muscles. This could lead to like jaw clenching. You're basically getting ready to make a move in some cases. Again, if you go back to my episode on the four apps, I break down some of those reactions between fight, freeze, fawning, flight. So feel free to refer to that if you are more interested. But your brain and fear. Now I'm going to name a couple parts of the brain that are um, associated with the fear response the amygdala orchestrates this emotion the hypothalamus executes the emotion essentially looking at those autonomic functions that I stated like heart rate and whatnot the striatum that plays into habits and then we have the prefrontal cortex and this is the part of the brain that is associated with that logical thinking It evaluates whether a particular emotion is appropriate, if our response is appropriate, that being. It includes higher-order functions, whereas the hypothalamus and the amygdala are associated more with that primitive animal brain, that limbic system. Once the amygdala catches that sensory input, hearing, seeing, touching, it then sends it to the parts of the brain that control our autonomic functions. Again, heart rate, temperature... I've been reading this book called The Disordered Mind, and I've posted about it on my social medias. This has been a really interesting book, especially when deep diving into like depression and other mental illnesses. The Disordered Mind had a quote, without the body, there would be no fear. Our primitive animal brain is activated first in this process. This indicates that our bodily response to fear comes from before our awareness of the fear. So think about, have you ever started crying and had no idea why, did not recognize the reason or the trigger? And this is part of the reason why it happens. That prefrontal cortex helps us decide the way that emotion is being carried out. So sometimes I'll be in that situation where I will get so nervous, so anxious, and just feel overwhelmed and kind of shut down And then a couple hours later, once I used my tools and kind of worked through it and got through the task, I'll look back and be like, wow, this is why I had an overload. I was multitasking. Um, I had a mental thought pattern that was no longer serving me come up. Like, for example, the way I sounded was so stupid. Like, that is so dumb. Like, when you rehearse it and say it back to you, you realize just how minute it actually is. And again, that is looking at that prefrontal cortex, helping us decide the way that emotion is being carried out. Now, I'm gonna circle back to some of the tools that I use and why using metacognition, distancing yourself from that emotion to help us actively assess it. I'm gonna circle back, but I wanna get on to learned responses. Now, if you've ever taken AP Psych, ever taken, oh my God, if you've ever taken AP Psych or Psych 101, Psych 100, you all know Pavlov's dogs. These dogs associated a bell with food. So they would start salivating at hearing the bell, even without the sight of food, because they associated that stimuli with the emotion of, I'm about to eat, I'm hungry. Now, This is something that I kind of am recalling from the disordered mind and just my past history. So there's more into it. Um, I know there were other studies conducted on it, especially with like mice and whatnot and animals. But with fear, to associate a certain stimuli with fear, that fear, that emotion, and that stimuli have to both be processed by the amygdala. So within the amygdala, there are two parts to note here. We have the lateral nucleus and the central nucleus. Now, uh, and some people, our lateral nucleus has learned to be extra sensitive to the world around us. It responds to things that others don't even notice. So think about like when you are hearing little taps and for some people you're like, oh my God, that is so annoying. And I'm sure there are other parts of the brain that like helps you calm it down. But again, you might start getting a little hypervigilant or a little antsy just hearing noises in the background whereas other people don't have that heightened response. Additionally, there's another part, the central nucleus of the amygdala, whereas instead of responding sensitively, I mean, some individuals may still respond sensitively, but the central nucleus is more implicated to respond disproportionately to the world around them. So looking back at some stimuli that might not bother someone, this might send someone into fight or flight or more into like a rage, whereas it may not have any kind of effect on someone else. And again, like, I don't mean this to be like, oh, boo-hoo, like my brain is different. Like in individuals with anxiety and PTSD, the amygdala is enlarged and it's more active, it's more sensitive. And this means that your responses may be more strongly tied more prevalent than they would be otherwise and again don't feel bad about this because neurobiology varies for everyone and it might not look the same i want to tell a personal story about bodily sensations back when i asked you about the personal sensations that came up are there any changes in your breathing do you have a faster heart rate are you like me and can certainly feel pain from clenching your jaw Again, these are adaptive responses that help us defend ourselves, help us flee if we need to. That being said, some of these changes within our bodies can be unsettling. It may cause a heightened response once we recognize the changes in our body. And then we associate those changes with fear or with a panic attack. Now, when I was in my tilt table test, my doctor told me, that the response was psychogenic. I started noticing an increase in my blood pressure and then I began feeling hot and sweaty and felt so faint. And although this still may be attributed to dysautonomia and now I'm learning there are implications between autonomic dysfunction and my spinal health and whatnot, I question just how much of this was my health versus my psychology. This has happened before when I was in high school. We were doing the pacer test. And so imagine me running, little old me. And I was diagnosed with both both focal cord dysfunction and exercise-induced asthma. And so at one point, you know, as you get up in the pacer test, you have to run more and more and more. At one point, I started having an asthma attack. And so I run... I take my inhaler, and then I realized my inhaler didn't do much. It only made things worse because then I started feeling lightheaded. But this sent me into a full-fledged panic attack, and I was hyperventilating. But it looked like a panic attack, anxiety attack. And so what ended up happening was the school called an ambulance and brought them over. What an expensive bill. Just to find out, they brought me to... Uh, the nearby hospital and we found out that we I literally had a panic attack and that was it and that makes you think like wow a difference in my visceral reaction literally scared me so much and even now if I have like some kind of reaction from dysautonomia like sometimes I'll be walking and just feel so lightheaded that it literally frazzles me it was worse when I was walking around I think there was so much that Like, you know, you have to process, and we're still figuring out, too, if it's my worsening neck and whatnot. But again, like, that's just one instance where my, another instance where my body and brain are disconnected. I did want to note a study that came about when I was reading The Disordered Mind, and the author noted an Elaine Brené, and she was at McGill University and studied individuals who experienced PTSD, they were administered propanol, which is a beta blocker for noradrenaline. Noradrenaline is a neurotransmitter released in response to stress. And this triggers that fight or flight response. It kind of kicks on that sympathetic nervous system. So again, fast heart rate, sweaty palms, contraction of the digestion system. And it's funny that I'm telling this now because my doctor literally prescribed me the same beta blocker because of just like how weird my heart rate was she's like you use this whenever you feel anxiety and I'm like um excuse me are you a psychiatrist now yeah but so participants were administered this drug and they were then to report any kind of similar scenarios that would have brought up trauma or brought up a fear response and so the participants reported the details of the event, but what followed was that the drug suppressed the physical response of fear and thereby containing their negative emotions. This is one study that documented how the physical response of the stimuli can minimize our conscious awareness of the emotion. Although that fear wasn't gone, it was no longer crippling for the participants. Now, knowing what I know, (laughs) I think this shifted how I do respond to some of my stressors. You know, as I've noted, I'm a big uh, proponent of therapy. And for me, I have really been conscious of my body. I think my (laughs) therapist literally said, like, you are very self-aware. I'm like, yeah, I am. Heck yeah, I am. Whenever I feel a shift in my emotion... I try to journal it out. I try to get that process to my frontal lobe. Now, I'm pretty sure I have another episode on metacognition, and I mentioned it previously. What metacognition does is it allows us to distance ourselves from our thoughts. This sounds like a trippy, hippy, dippy whirlpool. (laughs) Some ways you could do this. One, journaling. When you're writing it out, you could see your thoughts from a different perspective. You actually see it on paper. And this actually requires your prefrontal cortex to kind of do like another wrap around, another view from it. I also love talking to someone that I care about about these things, for example, like your partner or a clinical professional and they can oh my goodness I'm so sorry my radiator's bleeding and I need it to because it keeps on making the little all night my apologies if you hear that in the background I also enjoy saying it out loud I'll say it into my phone or like I'll record a video of it sometimes I am like wow it look not so pretty today um and so I'll record it on voice memos and play it back and that's when I'm like oh wow I'm saying this in my voice I feel like it brings it to a whole new level and then it could be like that spider-man meme where you're like hey like you're the bad guy um or you'd be like that's not me no so that's another trick I've really picked up recently going back to working with a trained psychologist there are ways that you can help desensitize yourself in those situations. Again, you may not have a heightened sense response when you're working with someone who really does know how to use adaptive strategies to your advantage. Like, I'm not there with you in the traumatic events. I'm not reliving whatever is happening in your mind with you right now. Having your psychology psychologists walk you through the steps of each individual event can really be beneficial and again desensitizing yourself by putting yourself in situations even utilizing virtual reality yes that is the thing utilizing virtual reality to like relive a similar experience it can help you show that your body is resilient that you are okay um, monitor what your body's responding, how it's responding, and be cognizant of just the visceral response. Again, trained professional. Please look up a clinical psychologist, a psychiatrist, someone who specializes in that. Again, I love this stuff. I am very passionate about trauma-informed care, about um sequential care, about somatic therapy. I'm not uh, clinical psychologist a lot of this I have learned to apply to kids with dysregulation and adults with dysregulation so some somatic therapy techniques that I really enjoy deep breathing humming grounding I may really be beating this like <laughs> what's that saying like a dead bird no I may be really beating this into the ground but Again, these help stimulate the parasympathetic system. So this is like the anti-fight or flight system. This is the system that is in charge of rest and digest. Um deep breathing, humming, swallowing, like chewing gum. Um this helps stimulate the vag- help stimulate the vagus nerve, pounding on your chest, massaging your neck again, what That helps stimulate that nerve to bring about rest and digest. Meditating has been really helpful for me too. This helps you tap into the prefrontal cortex. Again, bringing about more of that logical mind and giving space for situations to occur. I do want to highlight all in all, like fear is a natural human response. I'm telling you this because... I want you to recognize that this is an emotion that has helped us survive it has its purpose in life but sometimes we do overuse it we do we are more sensitized to stimuli and i think it may be crippling but recognizing your triggers recognizing things in your environment that really set off visceral reactions like for example If someone speaks to you in a tone that reminds you of like being scolded at as a kid, like for me, when I am being forced to do something that like I feel like I have no say in, that is a trigger for me and I'll start getting all sweaty and like shaky. And again, like this is just something that has been learned. I'm sensitized to it. And so just recognizing it and using tools and strategies that serve you best. Can help you on your way. So, sorry not to get too deep. (laughs) I'm always like, we were talking about emotions in this CEU today, and it's crazy just how different people talk about emotions. So, I'm finally getting more safer and safer about sharing more. Share a lot, (laughs) but little things like that to put it into perspective for you. I really hope that you benefit from it. So, I'm sending so much love your way. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do have a YouTube video coming on this. It's very short. This is the extendo version. <laughs> so feel free to check that out. It's Natalie Bianco. And then my socials. Instagram, Natalie Bianco underscore, and then also Save Your Spoon. And then Somatic.slp if you want some speech info. Please send QA about how you felt about this episode. Feel free to leave a comment. I appreciate any feedback. I appreciate any rating. All right. Thank you guys for joining. Oh, my goodness.